Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we've got a special episode this week. It's special, all right. <laughs> We're going to be talking about uh, George Romero's Survival of the Dead, released in 2009, uh, the sixth film in his uh, zombie collection, of the dead. I guess, his Of the Dead series. Uh, this is the one movie made by George Romero in this collection that I don't like. I just don't like it. Yeah, I was saying to you, as soon as the movie was over, I think we might have been getting lunch, I said, man, this might be the first zombie film I've seen that what is just completely without merit. <laughs> like, okay. it, it it doesn't have any socially redeeming qualities. It it was somehow not funny enough to be schlocky, hmm. too serious to be, uh, but, but take itself too serious, uh, not serious enough to really fully engage with it. It, just, it had some yeah. some spectacular zombie kills. Yeah, and I think there was some social commentary in there, which we'll talk about. It, I think it's just mostly a, a, a giant 90-minute WTF session for me. Yeah, me too. And especially... So the synopsis of this movie is that there is a an island off the coast of North America, which you might not understand, given the accents of the people who inhabit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where local residents are fighting the zombie epidemic while also trying to find a cure for their undead family members. Um, trying to teach them to eat something other than human beings. Yeah, not even cure. Yeah. Just a, a way to coexist peacefully with them. Domesticate them. Uh, get them just not interested in human flesh. Sure. It doesn't go very well, No, I, I would say. I don't know. In, in the movie, <laughs> opens up that question of whether it went well or not. Hell, I don't know. It does, sure. Uh, but I, I wanted to get the synopsis up there up front because this is actually the first time I viewed this movie and got a good idea of what the hell was going on. Sure. Uh, I had... Maybe you can help me then. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you have any particular questions about the plot that you well, want to I think do? we need to take care of some business first. Okay. We've been running contests throughout the month of the dead... Uh, first week we gave away Walker StalkerCon tickets. Uh, last week we gave away a prize package that included um, a a copy of the Walking Dead season four on Blu-ray or DVD. Your choice. Your choice of uh, fun. What is it? Funko Pop figures. Popco Fun figures. Yeah, within reason. Uh, which are the kind of uh, what? This is not Kawhi. It's the uh, they're kind of chibi, chibi, yeah. chibi style Walking Dead figures. Kind of your choice of uh, Bald Move T-shirt from our Bald Move merch store, and a free copy of my book, which yep. is the uh, uh, the the Cupy Prize, mm-hmm. the Cracker Jack Prize of this prize <laughs> package. Uh, if you don't want to wait to see if you win, you can also get it at book dot uh, dot com. It's a, a survival guide, tongue in cheek review style uh, for season one of The Walking Dead. Our first winner is Carrie S., which we'll be emailing you to tell you you've won, so you can uh, get with us in particular as a prize package. Next week, we're sweetening the deal. You get all that stuff, plus your choice... Some, some fancy extras. Some, yeah. Some, some, Do we want to give away all of the the surprises? 
Uh, oh, do we? Because I was going to talk think... about a particular monster screen. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. I was like, okay, what? The, what? <laughs> I thought we were on the same page here, but uh, we, yeah. we talked to our friend Richard at Chicago or uh, at the Atlantic Walker Stalker Con. He's uh, a guy to run ScreenMonsters.com, mm-hmm. which is a really cool place where you can get pop art, pop screen, uh, um, silk screened art. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just got lots of cool stuff around Star Wars, around Walking Dead, around uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, the the artistry there, I think, is amazing. And he's uh, agreed to give uh, the users their choice of uh, Hypnostalker, which is his tribute to Daryl. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other selections. He's got Wings. If you want to the the uh, you know go for the Daryl. Angel Wings vest look. He's actually got the uh, sew-on wings uh, that he's replicated that you can get. There's a couple other options. Um, but check out his site at ScreenMonsters.com. Again, uh, we've got some of his artwork hanging in our studio. We're going to have some more soon. Um, big fan of his. He's mm-hmm. And again, he's throwing that. So it's everything we talked about before. It's the DVD or slash Blu-ray of Season 4 of Walking Dead. It's my book. It's your choice of Bald Move t-shirt. Your choice of chibi Funko, Walking Dead figure, and your choice of a selection from Richard's merchandise. All you got to do to enter is be a patron or subable member. And subable, you can subscribe for free. So there's no in, no, no reason not to, to sign up. Yeah. Uh, what we do is we uh, uh, d- take a random winner from our combined list of patrons and subable subscribers, and uh, we notify you. So... Hmm. We've got two more contests. I think this is the the where's only one more after this one. So there's two more chances to win. Uh, get your stuff in. We'll do another drawing this t- coming Tuesday and announce another winner. Yep, definitely. All right, fuck your promotion. Let's get to <laughs> this movie, man. Uh, let's talk about some of the characters up front. I fucking love the main character's name, which what I think is the main character, the military guy. His name is Sergeant Nicotine Crockett. Mm-hmm. Is that not a badass name? I, it's pretty. I just I thought he was. I didn't know his name. I just heard the Sarge. Uh-huh. My favorite character is Tomboy. Okay, yeah the the lesbian. Uh, sure. Um, non fist bumping in this yes, case. She thank is God. by far the most badass. Yeah, she's got some of the best lines. Mm-hmm. She actually survives. What's not to like? Sure, and she has a a meaningful relationship in this movie. With a, a, a Francisco, I think his name is, uh, who's the guy who gets bit or actually does, song guy, does some biting. No, Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he bites. He bites a zombie's finger off and turns into one himself. Yeah, so there's an inversion of type. It's usually a zombie yeah. bites you. This is a Soviet Russia. <laughs> you bite the zombie. Yeah, and get infected. Um, yeah, uh, they have a pretty good on-screen relationship here, do uh, which they? I liked. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a little okay. So it's a little. It got real at the weird, end. but yeah. Overall, I think it. They had a connection that I felt was real. Yeah, it was born born of uh, of uh, mild sexual harassment, forged yes. in zombie fighting, and then cemented in a suicide pa- a murder pact. Uh, yeah, kind of. So yeah, okay. I'll go. I'll go. I'll give you. But that. she was shedding a tear, so she obviously okay. liked the guy. Sure. Uh, and I thought that came through on the screen. Um, th- there are a lot of other characters in this movie. <laughs> Lots like of characters. Patrick O'Flynn, who is the... the uh, what do you even call him? Is he a protagonist? 
I I don't know who the heroes of this movie are. I thought that the are o- there any? I thought the o- they the O'Flins were the ones I was most sympathetic to because he was all about in the beginning of the movie killing zombies. Yeah, and the Seamuses. What what's his last name? Uh, Muldoon. The the Muldoons were all about protecting the zombies because there are loved ones and they need to be re- rehabilitated. Which I think, of course, is fucking stupid. They're so, dead. Yeah. So I was I was rooting for the O'Flins. But then at the end of the movie, it's like they turn it on its head and it openly invited us to question whether that was the correct way to view it. Yeah. I kind of call shenanigans and bullshit, but that that's that's me. Yeah, I mean, the, the end of this movie very much wants you to say, are there any heroes in this? Is this just stupid from every single side? Yes. Uh, and you're, you're, that's your <laughs> it answer? Is, it is stupid from yes, every single side. Right. Well, I mean, so do we want to talk about, do we want to get right into the main theme, the social consciousness? Sure. Why not? Okay. Let's do it. So this is essentially the Hatfields and the McCoys that set in a island that's just off coastal Delaware mm-hmm. called Pond Island, I think. Plum oh, Island. Plum Island. Which is actually in real life just off the coast of New York. So. Okay, <laughs> and it's settled by these like Irish Americans that have retained their entire Irish heritage to the point where I thought it was originally set in Ireland. And I'm like, that's an interesting. Me choice. too. Yeah, but then I was like, how do they get across the ocean on a ferry? Right, <laughs> and these people have been fighting for generations and have grudges. Of late, it's been a cold war because you just can't kill people in 20th century America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the zombie. Uh, fever has sparked up a new conflict between the ones that want to preserve the the dead ones and the ones that want to treat them as dead when and, and bury them, you know, kill them and bury them. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, they basically state war is dumb, fighting is dumb. Yeah, and they do that by killing the leaders of both sides of this conflict yep. uh, and showing them still going at each other's throats as... Zombies, zombies after the fact because that's one so of not the... even they fight to the death they fight beyond the death right and they're just firing f- uh, forever empty and now it's guns. completely futile because yes. they can't kill each other so but i thought it was interesting because there was a clearly correct side here if you go by into the movie logic one guy said that these dead people are gone yeah you we've got to shoot them in the head and put them in the ground the other guy's like no we can teach them to not eat people and this is just a different way to existence and wall and, 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 you know, it's not good to just throw away these people. Mm-hmm. The end of the movie, uh, they show the zombies learning to eat animals other than humans. They do eat the horse. Yeah. So that implies that the Muldoon character was correct. Yeah. And, and he was right to fight for the the i don't know what you call it the cultural heritage of the dead ones or yeah their 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 right to exist as undead yeah it's interesting but because that's crazy like at the very beginning of this movie the the kind of central problem like you said is is one side wants to kill them one side doesn't mm-hmm. uh patrick o'flynn is the guy who wants to kill them mm-hmm. um but they make a big deal about saying, "Would you kill if it was one of your own? Would sure. you? Would you put that person down?" Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the movie, he sees his daughter is bit by a zombie, and he comes up and he shoots her in the head, and he says, "Look, I would do it. Yeah. I, I did it." As a matter of fact, and she was right in the middle of the speech, 
telling these people that she had saw her sister take a bite of the horse mm-hmm. and that there was hope mm-hmm. for them. And he guns her down before he, he she can say that. Mm-hmm. So th- there's kind of an irony to that. Sure. Where, yes, it's possible, but we don't know it's possible because of our own... Uh, our own unwillingness to believe it, I guess. Hmm. Or the fact that we're so caught up in fighting, it's be not, yeah. it's, it's no longer important who's right and who's wrong. It's just the fighting that goes on eternally. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said, I, I don't know if I can get behind the f- concept of all war is dumb. Sure. But I, the Romero's point here is, is I think based on interviews I saw, okay. Um, I, he, I don't know that he comes right out and says this, but, I think he's saying that we jump to war very quickly as a solution to problems that might be solved other in other ways. But even then, it's like, I don't know that this... this so zombies are useful for a lot of things, and Lord knows Romero's used them to criticize racism. Yeah. He's used them to criticize commercialism. He's used it... You know, I, I listened to your uh, Diary of the Dead, and he's using it to uh, criticize our increasingly insular uh, internet culture. Yeah. I don't know that you can create it's it's a clunkier metaphor here because you know what what is the what's the option of not rushing to judgment here with zombies like as a direct result of Muldoon's experiments many many people die yeah and even he is kind of like not consistent in how he practices his zombie saviorism yeah like there's small you know it's like he really only cares about the people he's related to yeah everybody else is kind of fodder for his scientific experiments or mm-hmm. not even scientific there's you know good old boy yeah and a lot of the time he's animal not even training is what it is experimenting he's like oh they're not my kin kill them they're yeah. not my kin they're not whatever he calls them like the useful ones or the the yeah. ones that show potential the show promise yeah and so he kills them just straight away right so it's like, you know, a zombie plague, I think, is something that you have to kind of act swiftly on. You can't just, <laughs> like, debate about, well, this person eating my arm, you know. Uh-huh. I don't know if he's got... And, and Romero complicates it because in his universe, zombies do have echoes of their former lives. Sure, yeah. Like, they show mailmen zombies still trying to deliver mail. They show zombie that loved riding horses in life still riding a horse eternally across the countryside. Um, yeah, a lot of this stuff, I can't tell if he's actually making a point with it or if he's carrying it over from his other films, the points he's made previously. Right. Because that has always been a thing with Romero, where sometimes the, the zombies represent humans. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't. They represent forces in the world. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to actually tell which one is going on here or if they're both present. Right. You know? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's probably a lot more digging to be done there as far as social commentary. The other thing that, that I think undermines the social commentary is just how much ludicrous stuff is going on. Like the tomboy, the first time we meet tomboy, she is just openly masturbating in a mm. Jeep in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night of the zombie, in, in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. She gets no privacy. Like, okay, let's talk about the world here for oh, a second. Okay. Uh, the world of survival of the dead is one in which, the zombie apocalypse has completely removed any safety or free time that anyone ever had. Like, they are constantly on the lookout for the undead. Except for Muldoon, who enjoys drinking scotch 
on his porch in his rocking chair. He's on an island. He's probably cleared out most of that thing by now. I guess. Or I captured guess. him and sure, they're sure. in the barn. All right. uh, but, but in the real world, on the mainland, uh, that's the scenario. The, they have no free time because there is constant death around every corner. And yet YouTube or some similar service is still running. Yeah. The lights on the highways are still working. People are manning these systems. Sure. They've also set up the concept that money is worth nothing Yeah. in this world. How do you reconcile the idea that people are still doing their jobs at YouTube uh-huh. with the idea that money is worth nothing? Are and, they paying them in bullets? And, one of their... and, and if they are, how are they getting the bullets to pay these people with? Like, And, and also, there's another kind of weird paradox is if money means nothing and we de- we certainly don't see goods being exchanged or anything like that it's all very scavengy survivally the core yeah. one of the core macguffins of the movie is the soldiers deciding what to do with this 1.3 million dollars they found in an armored car right and that's a major tension between and some another, of the characters. And another, I, I feel like that even... I, I think Romero just doesn't give a shit about these details because yeah. it's like in one version of the script, it was a heist. Mm-hmm. And then he decided to tack on this uh, Hatfield versus McCoys. <laughs> and even one of the soldiers says, like, this, the money in this is worth nothing. The value is in the vehicle itself. It's an yeah. armored truck, which is true. But then at the end of the movie, he's like, yeah, we can take this $1. million and, and go and run. create a new life. And I'm like, how? What the, are you going to build a money out of the stacks of cash? Are you going to burn it to keep warm? <laughs> it's are we so going to, like, like when we were, we were making that joke about Daryl stuffing money into the the, the satchel and, and from the country clubs? Like, are you just going to, for the novelty of wiping your ass with $100 yeah. bills? What it, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It doesn't. I, I think the new currency after diary of the dead is youtube hits i think yeah. that's that's the main currency they use now i'll trade you one hundred and fifty thousand followers <laughs> for a case of ammo pretty much yeah i guess um, uh, that was always a problem i had with diary of the dead as well because that like how does the video that these kids made get two plus million views in a world where 90 percent of the population is dead right right <laughs> it just doesn't add up yeah uh, so that was the same problem I had here, uh, and even bigger problems. Do you, you know? think that, cause one, I overheard you're doing your research and you're listening to Romero yeah. reviews. And one thing he says, there's a tension between the fans of his work. That's primarily about, uh, how do you put it about the social commentary? Uh-huh. They like that aspect of it. And then there's some fans that just like the gonzo zombie porn yeah and do you think he's having a hard time consistently delivering like should he try to concentrate on i'm going to make a schlocky film and it's just going to be wall-to-wall blood guts and gore and uh, exploitative sex appeal and all this stuff and then the next movie i'm going to go and it's going to be a serious night of living dead day of the dead oh so split social his, commentary split his time between those two ideas but not in the same movie yeah because it just seems like one the one undercuts the other and they're also fan bases that are at direct odds. So do do like a studio does where they make a big blockbuster and then fund a bunch of indie films, right? Sure. Yeah. Or, and, and and I don't know, maybe spin it off and you, uh, the, the serious stuff is still of the dead. And then maybe he has a different brand for the other. But I just... <laughs> I just felt like for I, the dead. I couldn't get a, con, a consistent bead on this one. Like, just when I was yeah. about ready to turn my brain off and switch into just, oh, well, there's a, zo- a guy sticking a, uh, a fire extinguisher hose in a zombie's mouth and exploding his eyeballs out. Yeah, that's a problem I have with a lot of modern Romero stuff. I mean, even in Land of the Dead, 
anything anything beyond like the original three, uh, he's kind of had an issue with tone there. Mm. Uh, and I think it's because he's trying to appease all of those fans. Whereas I, I don't think he did in the first three. I think he was just like, I'm making these movies, I'm doing my thing, and if people enjoy them, they enjoy them. Yeah, I just don't know because there's just a lot of... I, I feel like he just didn't give a shit on a lot of levels because there's a lot of things like yeah. there's unnecessary twists. For example, the one the the uh, O'Flynn has a daughter. <laughs> yeah. We see her right we when we come back to the island we see her riding she's dead and she's a zombie and she's riding a horse. Very confusing. I thought, "Oh man, his his daughter must have died in the interim." But then we see that he has a tw- she has a, a a twin daughter that is perfectly healthy and she comes out later in the movie is like, "Oh yeah, I've got a twin." Like, why? <laughs> exactly why and and also if you if you blink you miss it yeah like i i was very confused the first couple times i watched this movie because i it wasn't very explicit or it was explicit but it went by so fast i couldn't tell what was going on right uh yeah that's a problem um what about your favorite do you, do you have a favorite character? I'm I'm sure you have a favorite part of this movie. Like, no, it's uh, definitely or... it's definitely uh tomboy. Okay. All right. What's yours? I can see that. Um I don't know. I kind of like the kid for some reason. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Really? Yeah, what's wrong with him? <sighs> I don't know. He it, It's like uh who's the guy that played Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah, yeah. He combines all of his arrogance and um, acerbicness mm-hmm. with none of his charm. Hmm. And that combination is very off-putting. Okay. I didn't see it that way, but all right. And, like, he's just this arrogant little pissant, and he's, you know, <laughs> always shining on this soldier for who, for some reason, takes a shine to him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, why did you like I, I didn't think he was as abrasive as you thought he was. I mean, yeah, he's cocky, but he's apparently... Fairly good with a gun. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just like him. Okay. Uh, I I like Patrick O'Flynn for some reason. Like, he's very charismatic. Plus, he's just got the Irish accent. And it's the accent. And yeah. it's, like, just so stereotypically, yeah. like, oh, sure, to the morning, top of the morning, <laughs> gift to the gab, Blarney's dude. I mean, it's just yeah. the lilting thing all the time. Yep, and I love how many times, like, how many times do you think in this movie, Seamus and O'Flynn, uh, or Muldoon and O'Flynn, called each other bastard? A lot. They like call the walkers bastard or the zombies bastard, but each other in particular. It's like that's their favorite other. thing. Yeah, bad, you arrogant bastard. <laughs> I'll kill you, dead. You crazy bastard. <laughs> uh, you motherless sure. bastard. I just so many times bad. That was just the fresh thing, and it's always, always they took umbrage at it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bastards a pretty. Nasty insult. Sure, but they're 65 years old or so. I feel like after the millionth time you've called, like if you called me a bastard five times a day, Uh at some point I'd become used to it. It just wouldn't have the same sting it did when we first met. We're going to experiment with that. (laughs) Uh, The other thing about this that's weird, we've talked, you know, it's very strange that we have a lot of people from... Southern America, 
you can tell. <laughs> sure. Being sent over to this I this island that is apparently run by first generation Irish immigrants. None of the aforementioned people from the armpit of Alabama, how it's described, have any trace of Southern accent. Yeah, the main character says, I was born and raised in Southern Alabama. Dalmatian, a town so pitiful, we <laughs> named it after the fire chief's dog. And he says this with no accent whatsoever, as I can tell. Uh-huh. None of that makes sense. None sure. of it. Sure. So, I don't know. I, I would be hard-pressed to find a place in America where they do speak with the, the thick Irish accent, I right? I think you can find it. Some you can places find them. in Boston. Uh-huh. Uh, but, other man, they're place. few and far between. Sure, sure. Like, I, I was telling you, it's like oh, this movie reminded me a lot of Beaver Island, which is an island I like yeah. to go to in the middle of Lake Michigan. It's called North American's Emerald Isle. And it was initially settled by a bunch of crazy Mormon separatists. Uh, but they were run out by Irish uh, Irish Catholics at the turn of the previous century, 20th century, and they turned into a fishing village. But you go there now, 2014, and other than all of the uh, Flanagans and all the these, names, the sure. names, and the the fact that almost all the bars are very proud of the Irish tradition. Yeah, there's several Irish bars, but nobody has a brogue. Yeah, nobody's top of the morning, and I mean, it's they're all just Americans. Sure. It's been, they, you know, after four or five generations, it just goes away. Yeah. Unless you work to keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting myself. Yeah, definitely And weird. then why? Why did he choose to have that kind of... Because, like, Hatfield and McCoy's, that's an American... That's, that's an Appalachian thing, man. Like, you don't need yeah. to have some kind of Irish blood feud... <laughs> I know we have it right here. A braveheart to to tell that tale if you want to. Yeah, and here's the thing. So this movie is kind of based off or or inspired by, let's say, a movie called The Big Country by William Wyler. Um, They Romero said that when they went to make this movie, they had everybody sit down and watch that movie, and that's kind of the style he was going for. In that movie, everyone has the southern accent that you would expect out of American blood feuds. Uh, No Irish to be found. So do you think I don't that, know why he said it the way he said it. Do you think Romero said I don't I don't I I want to set this apart from the film? Probably. But one of the things I really liked was the regional dialect, so I'm going to just import something. I maybe. Maybe I don't know. He didn't mention anything about exactly why he changed it to Well, Irish. the other thing in in this all in all the clans, the Irish clans, the only two people with the really crazy Irish accents are the two old guys. <laughs> two old guys, the old guys' daughters That's don't have it. That's why I say they're first generation. His kids are like second generation and like went to prep school somewhere else yeah. and like lost their accent. But none of the other older members because in the beginning of the film there's like, you know, these vigilante yeah. gangs rounding up uh, zombies against people's wins because in this universe, if you got a zombie, like you just don't know how to handle it. The first time your your de- your li- li- loved one comes back, you just want to chain him up in their bed, yeah, uh, and preserve him for some reason. Um, that I feel like that again. That's the Romero is kind of falling into his own Batman origin story. Where goddamn, how many times can we see Bruce Wayne lose his parents and the pearls hit the sa- cement and all that? Yeah, Romero's got the same thing with this whole reluctance to kill our dead ones. Um, mm-hmm. But sure. none of the older community in that even had like all of the all of the captain. They called him the captain too, which never mm-hmm. made any sense. Yeah, Captain Patrick. All of his all of his followers that were all old crusty dudes didn't have Irish accents no. either. No, 
It's, it's, it's really weird. Maybe they were his, his deckhands and his mates <laughs> on the ship that he ran before this. How about that? Sure. Sure, I get that. <laughs> okay. Uh, there were a lot of really cool kills in this. I'm Not, not a ton, but... Some you know, three, ones. four, some some very good ones, some very creative ones. Right off the bat, at the beginning, you get uh, a zombie who comes up and attacks some people, and then they blast its head off at close range. But when they do, most of its head in the middle, its face, sure, just explodes right out and completely gone. The top of the skull does a little flip, uh huh, and then lands back on, on the, the next neck stump, stump. uh huh, <laughs> and it's just hilarious but kind of awesome too it's yeah lots and, of, and the cg eh, yeah eh, not so great but a little shaky but it works that wasn't cg that was pure composite that was like <laughs> steven uh, spielberg exploding the french guy's head in raiders of the lost ark it's oh like, yeah, you know, yeah you could see where the, sw- the shot switched to paper mache <laughs> uh, <laughs> they just put a pumpkin in there and blew it up <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, what other kills did you like? In uh, this? I already talked about the fire extinguisher guy. That was really cool, and it just his eye, like yeah, his, his eyes popped eyes. out of his head and kind of googled uh-huh. um, because they were not the like nerves. they were not hanging by the optic nerve. I feel like that they're poking out in like wires because you kind of see him like wiggle oh. and wobble around. Yeah. Um, the other one that I really liked was when the what did you say his name's testicles te- testicles testosterone Francisco. So- no, Sergeant Testicle Testosterone. Oh, nicotine... Gasoline. Uh, Crockett. Nicotine Crockett. Okay, nicotine crotch rocket. <laughs> he shot a flare right into his zombie's head. Yeah. Which then inexplicably made his head glow and then burst into flames like a match head. And the yeah. zombie's just sitting there not knowing what to do. And then the guy... <laughs> it looks like Ghost Rider, right? Uh-huh. That's exactly the effect it looks like. He goes and lights his cigarette off of this flaming skull and awesome. then shoves him into the water. That was really cool. That was super cool, yeah. Um, I feel like there were some others, but I don't remember them specifically. How about the one guy that spite? I've never seen a guy get eaten by a zombie to spite somebody. Like the what the deck, hand, the the ranch hand that was that. Uh, uh, what'd you say? Is Muldoon entrusted with ranching his zombies oh, in the barn? Yeah. And the, he shot him a couple times. Yeah, he shot him, but then he uh, just fell to the ground, and as he was being slow... He, he had a gun. He could have shot himself in the head and put him in, and ended it. Yeah. But he's like... Uh, enjoy, he, I forget what he shouted. He's like, enjoy it, Muldoon. Yeah. It's your last shot as these zombies are just tearing him apart. And like, they literally you see did. this? This is going to be you in a minute yeah. or something like that. I know. I know. <laughs> see what I've done? See what I'm doing? Yeah. I'm going to ride uh, this painful death out through the bitter end. And it was painful, yeah. They they eat out all of his guts. They pull his spine out. They yep. rip him in half. Yep. They drag it off. Yep. Oof. That Pretty was horrific. Brutal. Pretty brutal. Uh, yeah. So I don't know what what else do you want to say about this movie, man? I, the other thing, if you watch this movie during the exiling of O'Flynn at the beginning of the movie, yeah. I want you to watch the gunman that's on the extreme right. <laughs> oh, yes. Note that he looks like he's having an epileptic fit mm-hmm. holding this gun, and his gun is pointed directly at the head of what, what looks like a crusty, uh, aged version of Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. He's having a full-on fit, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't I couldn't tear my eyes away from him. I'm like, who gave that man a gun? Yeah. How is Crocodile Dundee not caring that this guy <laughs> who's having an elaborate series of, of neurological issues <laughs> is standing behind him with a loaded weapon? Yeah, I'd put him up front. Use him as a meat shield, too. <laughs> At least he might hit something. 
Oh man, I had a lot of fun watching this though because like I remember because yeah. but the whole f- in my opinion this whole film was a sequence of what the fuck. Mm-hmm. And then when the dead girl rides by on a horse, you pause the movie and you said something I will never forget. You said this is where the movie gets really confusing, <laughs> and I just laughed like, "Oh no, I'm doomed! I can't! I don't know what to do. Should I shit? Go blind? Is both an option? I don't know." Uh, get eaten by a zombie out of spite. That yeah. 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 So I, I don't know. This is my least favorite of any of the, of the dead movies. And, uh, I will probably not watch it again. I'm saying, I don't think I need do to. Do you think that this is the movie that killed Romero's movie career? Because I don't know that he's done. I, I listened to a lot of reviews and he was saying that he had plans to make two more spinoffs. Yeah. Because this is a loose spinoff of Diary of the Dead. Kind of. So this the character Nicotine Crockett is actually not named Gasoline in, Rocket in Diary of the Dead. He, uh-huh. he does not have the same name. He's I think he's just called Commander or something. Um, and he stops the main characters along the road, and he steals a bunch of supplies from their RV, and he takes off. That's all you ever see of him. Sure. So brief cameo in Diary of the Dead. Also brief cameo in Land of the Dead. No. He's a uh, brew baker. He gets killed by a zombie. All right. Random. Uh, random military guy but anyway in the interview he mentioned that he had an idea for two more kind of light spinoffs of this series that depending on how the movie does at the box office you know will or will not get made this movie performed terribly at the box office this movie was a stinker it was a bomb Romero's not getting any younger no he is not he's as a matter of fact he's getting older (laughs) how old is he now he's got to be old he's got to be nearing 70 at least, I'd say. Okay. Uh, he's 74. He's 74? And the wow. man looks like a toupee and a beard wearing enormous pair of goggles. Yeah. No, I haven't he, seen a late a, a modern picture of him. Wow. He, he's also, he was for a long time. I don't know if he is now, but he was a chain smoker. Uh, so he's his health can't be great. How tall do you think George Romero is? 6'3". He's 6'4". Wow. Okay. I would never yeah. suspected that. Yeah. Wow. And he wears pants that are one foot two. So, <laughs> really? Yeah. I just seen him in interviews where he crosses his legs, and uh-huh. the pant will the pants will ride all the way up to his knee. It's it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does. He probably hike. he looks like the kind of guy that might hike, do the little mid mid sure. uh, up to the nipple hike too. And this is all in fun. I sure, respect sure. George Romero immensely. Uh, great filmmaker, at least up until this one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I have no room to talk in in my personal dress and grooming habits. Sure. Um. But you you you're afraid of George Romero. Look at look Am at I? you. Look at you. Like just just it's all good fun, George. Don't I, hurt me. I still think he could take me. <laughs> he is six foot four. Yeah. Uh, it's a heart attack and collapse on you, and it's all over. Um. I don't know. I'm kind of worried that it might be that might be it. Like. Uh. I, I mean, maybe Kickstarter is his salvation. I don't think that's it. Uh, you really? know, I I think. So the reason he made this movie so quickly after Diary of the Dead, just two years later, is because Diary of the Dead was kind of a return to low-budget stuff. He got funded by this company called Art Artfire Films. Sure. Um, and he did Diary of the Dead. And he spent so little money on that, and it was actually a decent film, and it came out and it made a whole bunch of money for Artfire and for Romero, presumably. So they said, let's do this again. Okay. And I feel like Romero didn't have the ideas that he needed. He wasn't ready. Uh, his previous films have been so long between 
each other that he had time to come up with new ideas. What about Land of the Dead, though? Land of the Dead, 2005? 2005, then Diary of the Dead yeah. came in 2007, Survival came out in 2009. But here's so. the thing. Like, he made Diary of the Dead for a reason. Like, he saw a trend in oh, media okay. consumption okay. and said, I have an idea at the core of this film. Let's do it. This time they came to him and they said, let's do this again because it was so successful. Okay. So I feel like this was a rush job. Like, he didn't get a fair shake on it um, and probably shouldn't have done it. It was just more of a cash-in. I don't think that kills his career. I think he just needs to go back to the drawing board and kind of analyze how he, you know, at 74 years old, he needs to start fresh again. Sure. Right? It wouldn't be nice to see him kind of redeem. You know, you want to see a guy like that go out on top, right? Yeah, definitely. Don't want to see him limping off onto... Limping away from Pog Island or whatever it is. <laughs> Pog, Pog Island. Yeah, That's you correct. want to see him limping away yeah. on the, on the uh, ferry from Pog Island. Yeah, no, definitely not. How did uh, they get... Question for Interestingly, you. before we move away from that ferry, okay. that ferry is a real ferry. That's the real name of the ferry, and uh, I don't know if they rented it or whatnot. I believe but, it. Yeah. It looks yeah, just... I think it's called the Amherst Islander. Yep. It looks it looks just like the Beaver Islander, which is the ferry that goes to Beaver Island. <laughs> yeah, but I it think was... They, there's only like one company that makes ferries in this world. They're just like just churning them out, and that's what you, you you order a ferry and you get a fucking ferry. Yeah, it's how big you want the ferry, but it's always going to be a fucking ferry. Yep. Um, I think that a question for you. Yeah. So uh, Cisco Thong Song guy, mm-hmm. he's the one that's able to pilot the ferry over the island to begin with. Yeah. Uh, it's not trivial, I'm sure, to operate a ferry. The end of the movie, they bug out back across the water with the armored car. But Cisco's dead. Mm-hmm. Did they just attach pontoons to that thing, and did they figure out a way to drive across water? <laughs> they did. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't think Romero cares. But L- little did they know. Yes, you can actually drive those. <laughs> on armored water. cars float. Yeah, their buoyancy is surprisingly high, mm-hmm. and their tires are equipped with uh, paddles. So <laughs> they run flat. They run wet. <laughs> Anything you got at them, they'll run. No. So here's my guess: is they figured out like. So the main guy, uh, Nicotine Crockett, mm-hmm. wanted to go swim out to that ferry and just figure it out. Uh, but Francisco said, no, I have the experience. I can do it. Yeah. Uh, and so he knew how to to pilot the boat. Sure. To drive the boat. And so he did it. But I think the other guy could have figured it out. Right. right. How it's hard like, is a boat? It's like taking 20. You know, he had the time. He was unhurried. Yeah. He was just able to fuck around with it as long as he needed to to get it, to get it going. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Okay, cool. Well, let's call out a cast then. Uh, not my favorite in the Romero series, but check it out if you haven't. It's worth at least half a watch. Where like where all can they get that? Uh, good question. It was on Netflix, but I think it's been removed since because I watched it there uh, maybe a month or two ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Just... Because I was bored, had nothing better to do. Uh, you can rent it on. Ooh, well, no, you cannot. I don't think it's available as a digital. It's you can you can buy the Blu-ray, the ultimate collector's edition for eight fifty on Amazon. Okay, yeah. Uh, so you know, go to baldmove.com, click the banner for Amazon, and go buy it. Oh no! Oh, here's here. You, you actually can. Survival of the Dead is is a one of their Prime Instant videos. So if you're an Amazon oh, Prime member, queue it up, watch it. Yeah, awesome. Uh, do we have any pimping before we want to do, uh, before we get out of here? Oh, I mean, yeah, if you'd like to support what we're doing, I mean, the reason we're able to really blow this uh, month of the dead thing out is because uh, we're doing this full time. 
Uh, support us on patreon.com slash baldmove or subbable.com slash baldmove. Get entered in those contests. Get entered in those contests. Go on amazon.baldmove.com and uh, in, in, uh, enjoy George Romero's Survival of the Dead and do all your shopping with us, and that's a way to support us. Rate and review us on iTunes. All the standard stuff. You can go to support.baldmove.com if you'd like to find out all the ways. And if you're if you just can't get enough, if all this stuff we're doing for the month of the dead isn't quite enough for you, <laughs> book.baldmove.com. Check out my survival guide for season one of The Walking Dead. I really appreciate uh, you can you can preview like uh, most of the first chapter for free. Uh, if you got Kindle Unlimited, it's a free it's it's a free read for you. Uh, it's got no DRM, so you can buy it. It's it's shareable. It's lendable to other Kindle users. It's as open as you can get, and it's only yeah. a buck or it's only two ninety nine. Awesome. So next week we've got a very special episode, an even more special episode of the of the dead series, the movie reviews, because it is an episode that we recorded years ago uh, when we were doing a podcast called Zombie Drill that we never released, and we're going to go ahead and release that. It's a Dawn of the Dead review from way back. I don't remember doing... I mean, I remember... I don't either. I don't remember anything about <laughs> it. I do remember quite a bit of the Dead Alive. Yeah, yeah. Because that movie stuck with me. Mm-hmm. But I know it's set at the mall. I know that it opened with uh, look, look, look a carpet that looks surprisingly like uh, intestines. Sure. No, I remember a lot of the movie, but not the review of it. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. No, I'm kind, of, I'm kind of excited to re-experience it. And I think the audio quality was a little bit better on that one, too. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> the first one was rough uh so thanks everybody for listening tune in next week if you want to hear that dawn of the dead review and until then i'm jim i'm aaron see you